0: Fantastic. Cool. How's everyone doing? How's everyone doing? That's it. That's the one. Come on. It's good. So here we are. We are in for um, a great summer. We're into August now. Um, doesn't feel like summer, right? It's been raining a lot, a lot. Like I know in Britain it rains, but this is kind of taking a mick now. But it's all good. Um, and we are going to go into a new series, um, something over the next four weeks we're going to be kind of unpacking something that's been on my heart, um, and uh, we're kind of just going to take time to just go through this thought. Um, And the thought is this, what are you carrying? What are you carrying? Um, I think in life we all carry something, right? Come on, I think we've all kind of been through situations and circumstances where we're carrying stuff. And um, it's very obvious when you're carrying stuff because you kind of feel it, right? You you know when stuff is on, on your life and you're feeling kind of heavy. Um, for me, have you ever heard that situation, like the weight of the world is on your shoulders? Anyone heard that? Ever felt that? It just feels horrible, right? Um, you know, in life, we carry so much stuff. And I'm sure in every, if I was to go around and ask people feelings and stuff, you would probably say, well, yeah, I've been through this, and it felt like this, and I was carrying this for so long. Things like hurt, um, I mean, we've all probably been hurt. I'd be shocked if someone in this room hadn't ever been hurt, do you know what I mean? We, as human beings... Not only hurt others, we hurt ourselves often as well, right? And so we sometimes can carry that in our life as well. Regret. Ooh, who's been there, right? Yeah, we've all regretted something, done something, regretted doing something, um, and that sometimes we end up carrying that regret with us into everyday situations. Unforgiveness, sin, pain, there's so many. The list could go on and on and on, right? Of all the things in life that we could carry. But growing up... I'm just going to kind of, a lot of what I'm going to share is a lot from my own world and the things that I walked into, you know, 15, nearly 15 years ago, which seems mad that I walked into this school nearly 15 years ago, time's gone so quick that my life was a complete mess, carrying the weight of the world on my shoulders, my head was often like this as I was walking around, just heavy and burdened and kind of annoyed and frustrated, Um, but God did a miracle, but life for me growing up was very much like that, just seemed hard, I looked at everyone else and thought, how are they getting on? Everything seemed hard for me. Um, I felt weighed down most days. And I remember, most of you know my story of just the chaos that I brought upon myself and the destruction and the tornadoes that I was erupting everywhere, left, right and centre. I'd turn up in a room and it would kick off. Do you know what I mean? It was just carnage wherever I went. But when I was about 16 years old, I remember just feeling lost, there's no words for it, broken and lost. Just looking at myself thinking, there's no hope. I don't know what I can do. School's over, mates have gone everywhere else, and I was just left, no education, because as you know, my school years weren't that great. I didn't do too well in the, uh, in the GCSE world. Um, and that kind of left me feeling very rejected and dejected and frustrated, because I thought, well, everyone else is doing something, I'm not. And I was left looking at myself feeling hopeless. Anyone else felt hopeless before? Just feeling like there's nothing ahead. Feeling like, what's the point? And I remember feeling so weighed down and depressed that I went to see a doctor. My mum will tell you this as well. And they put me on medication, not only for depression at 16 years old, but actually to help me sleep. Because I would go days without sleeping. Just sitting thinking this is horrible, life is just useless, life is empty, there's nothing in life. Sounds depressing, speaking about it, right? Cool, I could bring the whole room down. But it's hilarious, really, because that's what my world was like. Internally, I was broken, I was insecure, I was a mess, everything was falling apart, and I was carrying so much stuff on me. So I want to kind of unpack a little bit of of that in a minute, and and we're going to look at some of the things in life we carry. But I thought it would be good just to pause... And ask the Bible, or specifically ask Jesus himself, what does he ask us to carry? What does he ask us to carry? Because I think it's important to know what God's saying in the situation, right? Because otherwise we're just lost doing it by ourselves. And there's two things that I really want to kind of hone in on when it comes to Christ specifically speaking to his disciples about um, kind of being a disciple of him. And the first one is found in Matthew 11:28 28 to 29. And in a minute I'm going to bring a picture up, um, but for a minute I'll just read it. It says this. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Isn't Jesus' words so good? When we're burdened and heavy. I will give you rest. Not religion, rest. Not rules, rest. Come on, anyone here want rest? We need it, right? We need rest as human beings. We need rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Again, he used that word rest for your souls. What's that? The inward part of who you are. We don't just need physical rest. We need soul rest. We need to be at rest on the inside of who we are. Do you know what I love when Jesus describes himself? He says he's gentle. He says that he's humble. He didn't say he's rude, arrogant, and going to condemn you for certain things. Gentle and humble but he says, take my yoke upon me, take my yoke, sorry, upon you, and when I first heard this, I was thinking, that's weird, a yoke, like, I was thinking an egg, and I'm like, that's mad, why is Jesus talking about doing eggs with him, like, that's a, again, forgive me, I told you, no GCSEs, uh, uh, like, simple minds, simple human beings, you know what I mean, I just thought, yoke, imagery on my head was like, we're going to crack eggs with Jesus, I thought, oh, this is, church is kind of, I was new. I was like, "It's a bit weird." This is even weirder now. I'm thinking, "Little did I know until good old Pastor Shu come and taught me about what a yoke is, which we'll see on the picture, uh, hopefully on there in a minute." A yoke is this thing, and go to the next one. The purpose of it is this: is to be yoked upon something, so that actually we can learn from the one who's next to us. And actually, um, we're not yoking ourselves to animals. Don't worry about that. That would be mad. Um, And quite funny, actually. But what we're yoking ourselves to is the Savior of the world, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, who is humble and gentle. And so when we're yoked to him, we're able to learn from him because we're walking with him, watching him as he's walking, amen? That's what we need to be doing. That's one of the first things that I feel that Jesus is asking us to carry, is this kind of yoke, not a yoke of heaviness, a yoke of rest in connection with him. And then the next thing that we uh, see him speak about carrying or, or asking us to carry, we can find in Matthew 16, verses 24, uh, 21 to 24. Um, and I'll read it. I'll read it all for you. It says, From that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, the chief priests and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. I mean, that's quite a big statement, here. I mean, the disciples must have been panicking at that point. And Peter does his usual thing. Took him, Peter took him to side like he was Mr. Biggie, like, don't worry, Jesus, I've got you, and began to rebuke him. I mean, like, G- Peter's got, got kind of guts here, I think. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Never, Lord, he said, this shall never happen to you. And I love Jesus' response. He said, Jesus turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan, you're a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns but this is the bit I want to pick up on. It says in verse 24, then Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. I love that, that we are called to take up our cross. It actually goes on in verse 25 to say that those who want to find their life will lose it, and those that lose their life for my sake will actually find it. Nothing makes sense when it comes to the kingdom of heaven. It's like, what? I'm trying to find it and I'm going to lose it. But if I lose myself for your purposes, then I find myself. Come on, that's where identity is found. It's not in what you're doing. It's in who you're following. It's in Christ. Because as you're learning to pick up your cross and follow him, being yoked to him, do you know what happens? You start to realize who you are. You start to have an identity where you realize that you're a child of God. And actually, you start to have peace in situations, rest in situations. You're no longer striving anymore. Come on, that's where I want to be. I want to be in a place of rest where I'm just following God. You know, we're called to this, the yoke of relationship to Jesus and the selflessness of the cross. That's what the cross represents. The cross represents you no longer living, but Christ now living in you. That you're taking up a cross to say, actually... Um, And we're not getting weird with it, we're not kind of like, you know, on the street doing it, kind of with a cross and stuff, we're just going to say in our own lives, today God, I'm carrying my cross for you in my heart, I'm submitted to you, it's you God, it's you God, it's you. And as we do that, watch what happens with our lives. You know, he never asked us to carry our worries, did he? I'd be probably quite concerned if I opened the Bible and Jesus said, what I need you to do is carry your worries, carry your anxieties, carry your fears, carry your hurts, carry your past regrets, carry it all, carry it all. Do you know there wouldn't be one person in this room if that was the rules? Because we wouldn't be able to do it. Why does he ask us to carry the cross? I love this picture that I get when I think of the cross. That as we are picking up our cross and following Christ... That cross screams at everything else that tries to come at you, saying, uh-uh, fear you cannot have hold because the cross paid for it. No, anxiety, you cannot come and be a part of my life because the cross paid for every anxiety, every unhealthy motive. No, the cross paid for it. The cross is a picture to every other thing that you are a child of God, and it cannot get on you. That's what the cross screams. The cross screams, so Jesus says, take up your cross and follow me. So as we do that, everything else has to bounce off. Why? Because we are a child and we've been bought at the price of Jesus' blood and we are children of God. Amen? And I love that. I love that picture of carrying that cross. But there is a carrying to it. It's not like you get saved and it's all like, ooh, just chill. I'm just going to do nothing and just watch God do it all. No, no, no. There's an element of God wants you to be involved. Relationship isn't easy, is it? It's not like you just have a relationship. You've got to put time, effort, talk, communicate, build strong trust. This is what relationship is. It's effort. But it's effort that's rewarded through peace, joy, understanding who you are in Christ, carrying a cross. That's not easy. But I'll tell you what, it's easier than carrying the weight of everything else that you're going to have to carry in life. Amen? So I'm just going to hone in today on a couple of things, and I've got three kind of points specifically that I think we live in a world where this is rampant, and I think it's, um, I mentioned the two words, you would be like, yep, yeah, dealt with that before in my life. And that, the first two things I'm going to mention is anxiety and depression. Anxiety and depression. Society today just from being around people, speaking to people, is running rampant with this word anxiety. Just falling off the lips of every other person. Yeah, suffering with anxiety. Anxiety here, anxiety there. And, and struggling internally with thoughts. Thoughts about how they are. Thoughts about what's going on. Thoughts over here. You know, just, just generally, anxiety is running rampant in society. People suffering with depression is running rampant. I was. I was there. I know it. I tell you why. The world is a horrible place, if I'm being honest. And when you're living in it, there's not a lot to be joyful about outside of God, right? There isn't. There really isn't. There's a lot of hopelessness. There's a lot of negativity. There's a lot of it's all going wrong. But actually, do you know what? That's why society is such a mess as it is, because there's no hope out there. There's only hope in Christ, amen? Do you know what depression is defined as this? is the feeling of hopelessness. And it comes from that word to be pressed down, And that's what depression feels like, right? Anyone who's experienced it, you don't have to raise your hand, but you know it's that feeling almost of just being squashed and just unable to see a way out. Unable to just get up and just feeling like, I can't do this anymore. That's often the thought of when a d- a depression comes upon a person and depression can can be clinical. And I suffered with that. Growing up it was like as a child I had such depressed thoughts and struggled to shift away. Wanted to be by myself all the time. All these things I understand the clinical side of what depression is. But I also understand that circumstances and situations come into our world that cause us to be depressed. When we grieve in when we lose someone when our life falls apart because of a decision we made, depression can sneak in and we can feel pressed down and weighed down and think, why did I do this? And if we're not careful, that takes hold of our heart, hold of our life, hold of our mind, and every part of our world feels like it's crumbling. That's what happens when depression enters in. Anxiety is this, worry about outcomes and things that are happening or may happen. And that's an interesting thing, isn't it? Because anxiety is a really funny one because we often are thinking about things so much that haven't even played out yet. But in our mind, we've made up the decision of what's going to happen. And we're like, oh, yeah. I, do you know, it's a funny story. I used to queue up in the shop. In fact, it was Lally's just down here. This is the funniest thought. Um, my, my, just, just literally down the road there. And I remember there was a big queue, like in the post office. And I walked out the shop because, and I was unsaved at the time. I, I was in a massive queue and all my mind was going, oh, I can't go up there, oh, next one, what am I going to say to the shopkeeper? And I started outplaying this thought in my mind to the point where I couldn't even walk. I'd lost all thought of like being a... I just walked out the shop. I thought like, I'm done, I'm done. And that anxiety was gripping my heart. I'm like, why can I just not walk to the, to the till? And do you know what happens is when your mind is so consumed with overthinking and the thoughts, we lose all sight of who we are. And we lose all understanding of how just to be being. And instead of just enjoying the moment, we're two weeks ahead, already played out, everything that's going to go wrong, and we're losing it. You know, and this is what anxiety does, and this is what the enemy wants you to do. He wants to get in and make you worried about tomorrow, worried about what could happen if you stand up. My biggest fear is public speaking. Do you know what? Every time I stand up, the enemy will say, ooh, what's going to happen? I have to ignore it. Why? Because otherwise I'll be consumed with anxiety, Instead, I have to learn to push through. Amen? So listen, this is what I love about the Word of God. It brings life to our very bodies. And so this is what I want to prescribe us today. You know, doctors will prescribe medication, and that's very good. But the Word of God is like medication if you allow it into your soul. It's medication for the inner being. Amen? For the soul of who we are. And Proverbs four twenty to 22 says this, My son, pay attention to what I say. Turn your ear to my words do not let them out of your sight keep them within your heart for they are life to those who find them and health to one's whole body isn't that good they are his words are life to our whole body they're health when we need it the most and you think nah that's not true but you know what there's been times when i've been struggling and you get in his word and you come out so much better than when you went in it's like you've just gone through therapy oh come on god you know, revival in the front room. The kids are going, what is going on with dad? You know, I'm like, come on, Jesus. Um, Paul is probably thinking the same. Like, Oh, my days, he's lost it. Um, but you know what? That's what happens when we get the word inside of us. Revival starts to break out and hopelessness turns to hope. And in a moment, things can shift and turn around. Has anything changed around us? No. But inside, God's dealing with your heart. So if we often can't deal or control what's going on around us. That ain't for us to deal with. What is for us to deal with is our relationship with the Lord. Amen? So there's three things that I think all kind of find, us, find itself within anxiety and depression. Things that I've experienced, things that I've gone through. And so speaking from much a place of kind of um, experience, if I'm being honest. And the first one is this, worry. Anyone ever worried before? Yeah, come on, we've probably all, some more than others, some are just not worriers. You know, my brother, growing up, didn't worry about anything. Like, just, I, I struggled with it. He would be, he was wild as well. Like, I was wild. My brother was a different level. Like, if you thought I was mad, you should have watched him. Like, different level. He never cared. He'd do the maddest stuff, and he'd be like, I oh, don't huh? I'm like, I'd be sat there, if I'd done that, I'd be lost. Oh, no, God, what have I done? Oh, what have I done? he just did it and didn't care. And I, I mean, it's mad, but, like, some people worry more than others, Right? And the definition of worry is this: to torment oneself with or suffer from disturbing thoughts. Oh, the actual definition is horrible. The disturbing thoughts, because that's what worry does. It, 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 it causes us to have disturbing thoughts about things that could happen, and we start to oh, what happens if this happens? You know, oh, what happens if this happens? You know, going to school, what happens if this is gonna, going to go to college? What happens? If, oh, going to work on Monday. This is what worry does. It's like a, it's a, it's a disturbing thought that's constantly echoing in your mind. I often catastrophized. Some of you will know this kind of language. As a, I was a catastrophizer. Used to deal with that a lot as a kid. Everything was the worst. Everything could be the worst. Nothing was good. Go on holiday, yeah, but we got to come back. It was like, oh, wow, you, you're not going to. Be You know what I mean? Nothing was good. Everything was always the worst. Could break down on the way there. Could This could happen. Everything was worry, worry, worry. I catastrophized with everything. And God had to really deal with me with this, like, big time. Because catastrophizing, if we're not careful, just, it's hopeless in your language. You could say, this is going to happen. Yeah, but, you know, probably won't. And it's going to happen. Yeah, mate, but it won't, will it? Because look what happened last time. And it's like just catastrophizing all the time. It's going to be all right. No, it won't. You know, it's just, just, that's the voice of catastrophe. It's just a constant thought. And I always believed that. Do you know the really sad thing? And I like, this is funny and stuff, catastrophizing. But the really sad thing with this is, as a child, there wasn't one day that I didn't think I wasn't going to die. And as a child, that you had to deal with that because of the way my mind was so messed up. I woke up in the morning, and I thought, maybe today could be the day. And you go to bed thinking I got through. Maybe tomorrow might be the day. That is not a healthy way for a child to grow up thinking because I had no control over the way I thought. I just catastrophized. I was frightened of everything. Terrified. Cancer. What? Oh, what's that? Catastrophe. Probably got it. I've probably got it. That's how I used to think. I used to worry about so much stuff. But you know what? God's word is so important to take upon your heart because Jesus didn't say worry about everything. Worry about all the things that are going on. In fact, when we read Matthew 6, he says the very opposite. Matthew 6, 25 says this, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life. Praise God, let's stop there. We don't have to worry about our lives, people. That's great, right? That's medicine to my soul, because I'm like, thank goodness for that. But he goes on to say, What you will eat, or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food? And the body more than clothes. Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns. And yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? That's a question. Can we? No. In fact, it robs every hour of your life. It does the opposite. But the enemy gets in, doesn't he? And he wants you to be worried about tomorrow so that tomorrow becomes robbed and your tomorrow becomes right. And then it's an, it's an onward pattern of never being able to enjoy the moment. Isn't it easier just to say, Jesus, you've got it covered. You've got it covered. You said I shouldn't have to worry about the clothes I wear, the food I eat. And what does that look like? Because you could just stand there and say, I'm not going to worry. I'm just going to stand And that means just enjoying the moment. Get on with your day-to-day things, knowing that God's got your back. Knowing that you don't have to worry or work out every intricate detail all the time. Do you know how many times God's come through for me and my family? Miraculous. Just when I thought how, here he comes. And I'm like, come on, Paula, it's right, eh? We've seen it so many times. Like, just at that point where you're thinking, God, we were trusting, we were trusting you. And bam, there it is. It's like God is so faithful. I don't have to worry about every intricate detail of my life. God has got me covered and we can be free from those thoughts. Verse 33 of Matthew 6 actually says, Seek first the kingdom, uh, seek first his kingdom and righteousness, and all these things will be given to you. What is that a picture of? Picking up your cross. It's a picture of saying, actually, no, I'm a disciple of God. I'm seeking first the kingdom of God, seeking thir- first the righteousness of God. Everything else will take care of itself. I have a duty, of course, as a husband, as a father, to, to provide. But I don't do that in a place of worry and striving. I do that in a place of trust in my heavenly Father, that he will provide enough for my family. Amen? Come on, we need, we need today. I just really believe that the, the, the heads that are worrying need to just lay it down and replace it by, with faith in the one that we're trusting in. Amen? Jesus, like I said, never said worry about every day. It was the opposite. In fact, he said don't even worry about tomorrow because tomorrow has got enough worries for itself. And this is the key to, to a lot of it. It's just to be controlled within here. Um, Paul says about this, and it, Paul um, is brilliant in his books. He'll often give uh, a great theological moment and then he'll always give you a bit of application at the end. So you think, ah, oh, well done, Paul. Past, uh, the Apostle Paul, Pastor Paul, I'm sure some people called him Pastor Paul brought in such um, great application to how we can put what he's saying towards what we're doing. So he says this in Philippians 4, 4 and 7, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all, the Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. I love this. Paul starts by saying, rejoice. Well, that's the very last thing you often want to do when you're suffering with anxiety, depression, and stuff like that, is rejoice. You often just want to sit there going, no, it's all going to go wrong. But actually, the opposite and the, the most healthy thing you can do is start rejoicing. Not in the situation, but in the one who is watching over you. Rejoice in God who cares. Rejoice in God who sees. Amen. And start by rejoicing and let your heart start to lift up towards him. And then he goes on in verse 6 to give us this pattern of what we should do when we're feeling that anxiety. Prayer, petition, thanksgiving. What are we doing? Talking to God. We're not leaving it on our own. We're not saying, I'm going to deal with this, God. We're saying, God, you've got this. Lord, you've got this. Father, I thank you that right now, although I'm feeling anxious, though I'm feeling frightened, though I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, you do, and you've got it. You've got me covered. Left, front, right, back. You've got me covered on every area, every situation, every circumstance, every fear right now. Bow its name to the name of Jesus. Come on, this is what we do. And then we start thanking him. Thank you, Lord, that you've got it covered. Thank you, Lord, that I'm the head and not the tail. I'm above and not below. Come on, thank you, Lord, that you provide everything for me and my family in the name of Jesus. Come on, what's happened? I've gone from worry to faith, to pressing on, to pushing in, to breaking boundaries. This is what happens when we apply the word of God. See, now I'm applying what I'm learning. I'm putting it into practice because so often we hear. But Jesus said, don't just be a hearer, be a doer of the word. And then the verse 7 says this. When we start to do that, we get the result of the application. The peace of God that transcends all understanding. So a doctor isn't going to prescribe you something for this kind of peace. This kind of peace doesn't come from the world around us. It comes from heaven alone. This peace comes and it transcends all natural understanding. And you know what it does? It guards your heart and your mind with peace. Come on. It's the opposite of worry. See, Paul was trying to encourage the church of Philippi, do not be anxious about these things. But instead, let God know. Through relationship with him, being yoked to him in relationship, watch what God does. Amen? So the second thing. So worry. Worry is something that I think, yes, it's real. Yes, it comes knocking. But we don't have to allow it to be part of something we're carrying in our everyday situation. And the next thing that's very, very similar to this, but goes down a different path all the time and something i can be uh culprit of is overthinking. Any overthinkers, any people that overthink, yeah, got some friends in the house. So, my overthinking, uh, it went down a dark path, especially in my teenage years when i was smoking weed every day. That did not do any justice or goodness to my my thinking. For some people that think a lot, which is me, i used to think about how things oh, and I, you'll see people around me who well, I think about everything. If someone says to me, Something silly. Where's Wayne? When we was away, Wayne, we had that, there he is at the back. So, some, someone said about uh, how you should correctly um, stir a tea bag. And apparently there's this, we was up in the, the land of tea up, up north somewhere, I don't know where, it's Harrogate, that's it. And uh, they were saying, no, the correct way to stir a tea bag is this. But my overthinking mind, everyone else moved on with the conversation. I'm on Google. Are you sure? I'm like, nah, 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 nah. And I've delivered this um, presentation at the end. Like, guys, just pause a minute. This is how you should correct. And everyone's like, what is going on? I'm like, oh, because my mind, I just want to know. And I I'll just overthink. And, I just, and it can be really good because, like, when you've got someone who thinks a lot, they're not just jumping at it. They're processing how it could kind of work. And, and so it can be a great thing, overthinking. Really irrelevant with the teabag situation. But that's the problem. Sometimes I've got really irrelevant knowledge. And it's just like, who needs to know this? But it's funny. But anyway, when I smoked weed and and I did all of these things, do you know it was so dangerous for my mind? Because I would often, those that have, have, have in a former life practiced such things, know that you get kind of quite inward when you're a thinker and do this kind of stuff. And I remember I would just go into a place where I couldn't come out of. And I would think and I would think and I would think on this and think on that. And I would kind of just sit there processing everything in this really deep space. And when I came out of it, like when I was come to, from I kind of felt like this heaviness of like where have I just been? Like my mind was just lost in these thoughts. And I had no control. That was the reality. I was just being loose with my thinking. Just letting myself think what I want, when I want. Who cares? I'm just going to think and think and think and think and think. And that is the most unhealthy thing to do. When it comes to someone who's an overthinker, or worry, anxiety, all these things. Do you know what Paul says in this, in 2 Corinthians 10.5? We, that's the church, demolish arguments and every pretentious uh, pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. What's he saying there? We need a filter. When it comes to overthinking, which, if you're not careful, will cause anxiety to rise up inside of you because you'll be in a shop queue overthinking the situation, which then causes you to go, oh, I can't do this. You'll be overthinking something in school, thinking, oh, I can't do this. Overthinking, we need to take captive every thought and say, is that of you, God? Is that you worrying about this? No, that's not God, because God says, don't worry. So that can't be you, Lord. And we need to stop allowing our undisciplined mind just to think whatever it thinks, and we need a filter and we need to stop it. And we need to say, no, 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 no. I'm taking captive. What does it mean to take captive? Taking captive something means it's no longer in its own control. You're controlling it. But sometimes our thoughts just dominate us and control us. And we think we've just got to do whatever they're saying. Who are they to tell us what we've got to do? Our mind is there because God created us so we could think for ourselves and take control of those thoughts. But the enemy wants to creep in and think you've got no control. And that you're loose with every area and you've got no way of controlling this. But actually the truth is that you can take captive every thought today and say, no, 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 you do not line up with what the word of God is saying. I rebuke it and I remove it and I'm not going to think on it. And you replace those thoughts with the word of God. And you start saying life in the name of Jesus. I start speaking truth in the name of Jesus. When I feel lost, I say, no, Jesus, you are the way, the truth and the life. Therefore, I follow you. I walk in you and I confess you over my life. Come on, this is what we need to do. But you know what? Again, like taking that yoke, it requires us to carry something, our relationship with God, action in what we're doing, actually speaking things out, but too often it's easy just to sit there and just let the thoughts flow, right? We've got to be careful with that. Romans 12:2, Paul said, "Do not be conformed to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our mind." There's action to that. We can follow the patterns of the world. Come on, we, you've heard all of this before. We, we say it all the time, Romans 12 two, do not be transformed. But come on, are we doing it? Are we doing it? Because I can hear it a hundred times, but a hundred times I could ignore it. But am I literally allowing my mind to be transformed by the renewing of the word of God? Because this will help your life if you're an overthinker, if you have anxious thoughts, if you worry about things. Because when you get the word in you, faith rises up, Amen. Again, Philippians 4, 8 and 9, Paul gives us this, uh, even a a picture of what we should think on. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Come on, that's really easy, isn't it? Because if I know something inside of me is not really praiseworthy or honorable, just don't think about it. Rebuke it. And start replacing it with God's word that's full of health and life. And start speaking it into your everyday situation. He goes on, whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice and then the God of peace will be with you what is that? A manifestation of his peace. Yes, God's with us all the time. We know that. He never leaves us nor forsakes us. But when we start to take captive thoughts and start replacing the wrong thoughts with right thoughts and start speaking admirable things, good things, pleasant things, pure things, then you'll start to have a manifestation of the peace of God in your life. And then it's like, woo! I've gone from worry and overthinking to now contentment and peace because our mind is now being conformed to the pattern of the word and not the pattern of the world. Amen. The last thing that I'm going to share before we finish on this, and I've got a little kind of demonstration thing that I'm going to do in a minute, um, which could go horribly wrong, but we'll see, is fear. Fear is something that I think um, many of us have faced in various situations and circumstances. Um, Fear is a distressing emotion aroused by danger or impending danger, evil, pain, whether the threat is real or imagined, the feeling or condition of being afraid. And that's scary with fear, isn't it? Because whether real or imagined, you can sit right now and start thinking scary things and you'll feel frightened. You'll feel it rise up. Oh, fear. Oh, yeah. Do you know a weird picture I just remembered as a kid? I love sharks, right? My favorite animal. My kids always say to me, What's your favorite animal, Dad? I'm like, I tell you, what, every day, sharks. No, no, no. One that walks on the land. And I have to think of something else. I'm like, Oh, lion. Um, but shark, I love sharks. I absolutely love sharks, I'm fascinated with them. But I, I used to watch them so much and, and as a kid and stuff like that. Then when I got in a swimming pool, come on, there's no sharks in swimming pools. Right? Come on, you agree with me? There's no sharks in swimming pools. So. Don't make this fear real. Come on. <laughs> Joking. Joking. I get in and I'm swimming around enjoying my time. In fact, then that thought comes of that shark that I watch and I'm like, shark in there where's the lifeguard come on is there sharks no there's no sharks do you know what I mean and I'm terrified I'll go under the water it makes it worse I'm like oh no get out quick and then I have to get out for a minute and process the water I'm like no we're good do you know what I mean and I'm like what's going on fear is weird because it plays with your emotions and plays with the strings of your emotions making you feel that things that aren't real are real and then you're left struggling with fear goodness knows what will happen when a real shark's in the water I just had that thought That'll be it. I'll <laughs> be like, it's real! Um, but you know what? Fear is crippling in so many ways, yet we don't have to be, bow our knee to it. We don't have to listen to it, because often it's a lie. And I, th- I thought about this, you know, like often the media, which is great in so many ways, have given us information that we need, but so often it's information we don't always need, and we're left thinking, wow, why is this being put out? What's going on? Things like about our health, You know, it goes on the news, you know, like, like, you know, this is bad and this is happening and there's this breaking out. You haven't got it, nor is the disease on you, but you're there going, oh my goodness, I'm going to get it. I'm going to get it. And then fear creeps in and we're left walking around feeling like we're getting what has been prescribed from the news. But actually, it's not real because you haven't got it. But your mind is telling you it could happen and it will happen and probably, oh, and we're left feeling fearful of everything and it stops us from moving And having a daily life because we're terrified of the things that might happen. Danger. Things like wars and um, crime on the rise. Oh, I better not get out tonight because crime's on the rise. But it's because someone has said that. Have you seen it? I haven't. This is happening in Scotland. Oh, is it? Someone got, "Oh," and, and then fear breaks into our heart because something's happening hundreds of miles away, and yes, things are happening and things are real, and the world is broken, and there are things that are dangerous. I get that. But being worried about it when it's not actually happening right now in your life doesn't help you. just makes you walk around in fear, assuming that it's going to happen all the time, when it never will. Financial crisis, very real. I understand it. Money and and all the things that we need in life is very real. But when the news comes on and says, doom and gloom, I'm sorry, it's all going wrong. And we start to get fearful and afraid of it. We've lost sight of what the promises of God say, that he's got us covered. And we start to listen to the world and its voice saying, "Oh, oh, this is going wrong, it's going wrong. And then we're gripped with fear. And then that fear stops us from being a blessing because we're holding on. Oh, no, 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 I'm afraid. I'm afraid if I lose it, then. And and actually, that's not how God called us to live, is it? But to have a life of faith. 2 Timothy 1 7, a very well known verse says this For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and of sound mind or self discipline. See, God hasn't given us a spirit to be afraid. You know, you didn't see him in the book of Acts. They were baptized in the Holy Ghost and they hid. Ooh, terrified. They were like me in that swimming pool with the non-sharks that were in there. Do you know what I mean? They weren't like that. They were filled with the Holy Spirit, and they went out with power. Why? Because the spirit that God gives us isn't a one that we should be afraid in situations, but instead we should rise up and overcome. You know, David had that same spirit come upon him when he looked at uh, Goliath. That wasn't David. That was God in him. David couldn't do that. He was a boy. Don't you see that God is in it? And when God is in it with you, David looked at him and realized, that giant's got nothing on me. Why? Because God is with me. And if God is with me, who can be against me? No one. And this is what happens when we start to get in the word. We start to realize, actually, I am above and not below. My life starts to change and turn around. That's why 15 years ago when I walked in this room and I was a broken mess, full of every kind of insecurity that you could ever imagine, lost beyond all understanding. When I heard that Jesus died for me and I gave my life to him, my life started to turn around because now he was at work in me. He was now moving in my very body, and my life started to go from hopelessness to hope, from fear to freedom and victory and courage. Come on, because there's nothing to be afraid of when God's with you. It may look dark, but he's the light of the world inside of you. Amen? John 16, verse 33. Jesus said this about our lives. I've told you these things that, you may, that, that in me you have peace. Because in this world you will have trouble. But take heart, I've overcome the world. Isn't that good? Because the reality is, come on, we all face troubles. We're not kind of excluded from the trouble that comes knocking on our door. As I said, the world is very real. But we can take courage in knowing that Jesus overcame the world. And now we stand in a place of victory, no matter what's going on outside, no matter the circumstances, no matter what the doctor's saying, no matter the, the, the actual very, very real things of disease and all this stuff, no matter what that's saying, Jesus said, take heart, I've overcome the world. And so we take courage in situations like this, knowing that God is for us. You know, he died for us that we may live with him eternally. So yes, we're here for a very small moment, but when you leave here, you enter into there. A place of eternal peace, eternal joy, where there's no pain, no suffering, no hurt. Come on, isn't that what we want? But it starts right now by, by applying that faith to our everyday situations. I'm going to live like heaven on the inside, here on earth, now. Amen? Life always has storms. And even the disciples, when we read in the, in the, in the Gospels, you know, like Mark, Mark 4, that very known, well-known verse where they enter into the boat and it all looks good and all of a sudden a storm breaks out. But yet peace was living on the inside of that boat the whole time and gets out and says to the storm, peace be still. And that's what we need to do. When anxiety and fear rise up, we shouldn't allow that to dominate us. We should allow the peace of God on the inside to dominate that. To speak to it and tell it who does it think it is to come against the armies and defile the living God. For God is with me. And his army is around me. His angels are ministering. Come on, you do not walk alone in your workplace. You do not walk alone in your school, in your college. You walk with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Chariots of fire, power of the Holy Ghost, walking, opening the doors before you. And as you enter, heaven enters with you. Come on, is that courage enough to make us realize that fear has no hold on us? Come on, we don't have to be afraid of anything. Because if God is for us, who can be against us? I'm going to quickly, I'm going to get something quick now. I don't know if Ruth's around here. Oh, yes, she is. Let the voice. Woo! I'm going to get this because I want to give a demonstration of, this ain't going to stand up, but I'm going to lean it against this a minute. Of what it looks like sometimes to carry our cross. So often, Jesus asks us to carry a cross, right? I feel like a bit like Hacksaw Jim Duggan of WWF back in the early 90s. Yes, I know, I knew it when I, (laughs) come on. used to walk down the thing like this with a bit of two by four. Um, Class. The minute I put it on, I felt like it the other day. I was like, come on. I'm not going to do that, though. Don't worry. We're not going to turn into a wrestling uh, situation. But the Bible says in 1 Peter 5, uh, 7, you'll probably know the scripture very well. It says that we should cast all our anxieties on him because he cares for us or cares for you. But there's a moment before that that I think we need to take into consideration in 1 Peter 5, 6, which says humble yourself. Humble yourself, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Then, he says, cast all your anxieties on him, because he cares for you. Jamie, can I ask you to come up here a minute? Here he comes. Round of applause for Jamie. Can you can you just hold that a minute, mate? I pre-warned him about this. Don't worry. Cool. I'm just going to put my bag on. Because I just want to give a demonstration of what sometimes... Um, what life can look like, and I think I'm quite a visual learner, and, and, and when, I, when I look at this, all right, Paula, can I have that one down there as well, please? The blue one. Not the Yeti toy that my son brought. Don't bring that. Yeah, it's heavy, sorry. Sometimes in life, well done, Richard. Sometimes in life, we go round, and uh, you know, we get saved, and there's this moment that we get saved, and Jesus says, yeah, uh, take up my cross, and it's easy, isn't it? Yes, Lord, I'll take up my cross. Come on. And you're excited. Who's been there when you were buzzing when you were first saved? Just come on. Like, it was like, don't know what happened. Like, for me, it was just like that. I'm I'm an excitable person. And I was excited that day. I was like, God has done something miraculous. I was taking up my cross because I thought God's done something miraculous in me. But then, if we're not careful, Jamie, I'm going to ask you to start putting some of those weights in my bag. Um,. Yeah, pick up. If we're, not, if we're not careful, what happens? We're picking up our cross. And then, yeah, just throw them all in, mate. Just throw them all in. And then the weight, we start worrying about things, don't we? We start worrying about circumstances. And then start worrying about situations. And the cross starts getting a bit, oh, oh what about this? What about that? And, and, and we're losing a little bit of like kind of that first passion, you know, of taking up my cross. I was funny. And now and, and, and that as well, Jamie, please, mate. And then, and then all of a sudden... What once felt great—I've taken up my cross and following Jesus. I'm now worried about every which way and thing. Hey, Jamie, could you give me that blue thing as well, there, please, mate? And 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 now I've decided, like, oh yeah, it, it, I'm, I'm, I can't do that. I can't. I can't. I can't do this. I can't do that. I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord, but I'm terrified. I love you, Lord. I'm scared. I love you, Lord. <laughs> I want to pick up my cross, Lord, but I'm frightened. What happened? Why is this on me? And you're moving, but you're not moving. And the Bible says that you can't do this by yourself. He says, humble yourself. Which means I have to realize I can't carry this stuff. I can't carry my fears, my anxieties, my worries. I've got to learn to say, God, you've got to take it. And you stand up. And you have to, with every bit of in you, cast them. And cast them. And then you are free to pick up the cross again. And say, I ain't going to pick up those things anymore. The weight of sin is falling off of me. The weight of fear is lifting off of me. In the name of Jesus, I'm free to carry my cross for him. Because you can't do both, church. You can't carry the weight of the world and think you can carry your cross. You will fall to your knees. Come on, church, it's time to humble ourselves before mighty God and say, you take it all, Lord. Come on, let's stand in this place. Thank you, Jamie. Thank you, mate. Listen, you may be here today and this may be very real for you and worries and fears and anxieties and all this stuff has been knocking on your door for very long. But maybe you're here and you've never even encountered the living God who's a God of peace, a God of joy and a God of love. And so we're going to invite a couple things I want to do. I just want to simply pray. I know time's run out today and I want to pray for anyone who doesn't know God, just like me those 15 years ago who came in and said, yeah, Jesus, I need you. That you can today come to know him by a very simple prayer of acknowledging that he took every pain and shame and guilt and hurt that you've ever done on the cross. That you don't have to carry the weight of your regret, the weight of all the mistakes you made, You don't have to carry any of that anymore on your own. Today, in one very simple moment, you can say, Jesus, I believe in you. And the Bible says in that moment, his righteousness becomes yours. His peace becomes yours. His joy becomes yours. His life becomes yours. And for eternity, you will be with him. So come on, church, just close your eyes in this moment and just repeat this prayer after me. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for sending Jesus to die on the cross for me thank you for an exchange of your son you took my shame you took my pain and my hurt and every anxious thought I nailed to that cross I walk free because I believe in you Jesus amen listen just keep your eyes closed just in this moment If any of you prayed that for the very first time or you're coming back to God and you you want an encounter with Jesus, you want your life to be transformed by him, can you do me a favor and just raise your hand up? Is there any people in this room? There's hands going up everywhere. There's, There's hands everywhere, church. This is awesome. Come on. Come on, just pause for a moment. Is there any more? Anyone today, this is your moment where you're saying everything can change because Jesus died on the cross for me. Come on, get those hands nice and high just for a moment so I can see. Thank you. Father, I just thank you for every hand risen up right now. Father, I thank you that new life has come and the old has gone. That the way they walked into church will be different to the way they walk out. That, Father, right now you make home within them. Peace is in them. Joy is in them. Life is in them. Freedom is in them. Victory is theirs in the name of Jesus. And we thank you that the enemy has no hold on them any longer. No condemnation and no thoughts of accusation, in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. Hey, and just, yeah, come on, let's give a round of applause. And listen, just as um, we just pause just for this last minute, just let Smudge just play on the key. We're not going to get the whole band up, but maybe in your own world, this has been very real and those thoughts have been very strong in your life, those anxious overthinking, worrying, fearful thoughts. Listen, just with our eyes closed in this moment, if there's anyone who has that going on in their world will you just raise your hand for me right now that I may pray. Thank you Lord. Come on, don't be afraid. This isn't about a shaming. It's about God seeing your heart. And that hand lifted up is just a hand of faith saying you don't know how to do it. It's that humbling yourself that I said. And in a moment we're going to cast it onto Christ. So at the count of three I want you just to chuck it up. Just literally as if it's in your hand whatever that thing is that comes crippling knocking keeps kind of knocking every morning and being there every night. We're going to hold it like it's real and it's physical and at the count of three we're going to chuck it and then we're going to declare victory in the name of Jesus. So are you ready? One. One. Two, three. Come on, chuck it up. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, that you take our shame, you take our fear, you take our anxiety, and we cast it on you right now in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. And right now, in return, his peace is manifesting. His peace is manifesting in Jesus' name. Let the peace that surpasses all understanding be yours, church, this week, in Jesus' name. Amen.